once you release a song now, it's not just going to live on that artist's page. It's going to have a life of its own and go be used and be part of mixes and remixes and be in your wedding video. And it's going to, you know, those five seconds are going to be taken here and those 10 seconds here. And so, you know, the main thing that the music industry is trying to do is to get as much value out of it as possible. You're listening to Music Growth Talks, the podcast for musicpreneurs, with Andrew Apanov. Hello everyone, I'm Andrew Apanov, this is Music Growth Talks, and you're listening to episode number 133 with Madea Choplin, the CEO of PAX, an LA-based company which is like a search engine for music and video that can identify reused content on other 40 platforms for its unique fingerprinting technology. Uh, just to give you a basic example, even if it's a half a second sample of uh, of your song that was uh, remixed and tweaked in a way, um, this platform will find it. Uh, and if if uh, someone created a GIF and uploaded to GIF out of your music video, it will be detected as well. It's quite powerful and it's. Um, uh, more precise than YouTube's um, content ID, for example. And what's interesting, when I originally scheduled a call with Amadea in late April, I knew much less about PAX than I do now, and the original idea was to talk about the controversial Article 13 of the Copyright Directive, which was voted in favor by European Union in March. It's now Article 17, uh, and we do talk about it in the second half of the conversation, and it's super interesting and important for all creatives and music tech startups. Uh, so don't skip uh, that part, please. But I want to bring uh, particular attention to what PAX does overall. And uh, as you will see, it can be highly beneficial to indie creators and record labels among you. Um, in the show notes, uh, I'm also linking to a Medium story posted by PAX founder and CEO Rusty Turek. It was published after this conversation of mine with Madea. And that article covers some interesting uh, data um, analyzing videos uploaded to YouTube last year. And uh, that article made quite a lot of headlines. Uh, and these sites are really cool. For example, that uh, music and entertainment are the only two categories that uh, disproportionately deliver high returns on the investment for platforms. Uh, music is the only category that generates the most views consistently uh, while being less costly to host, which means that, you know, music is YouTube's most profitable category. Uh, and that's partly because music videos are relatively short. Or that uh, most videos with other 1 billion views are, you guessed it, music videos. Go to datamusic.com to find uh, show notes to uh, to these episodes after listening to it, of course. And um, uh, yeah, there is a lot of valuable thoughts uh, and information in that article. It's linked there. And um, yeah, so uh, let me and Pax know what you think uh, via email, SoundCloud, and Instagram, and Twitter, whatever you prefer. And uh, thank you for listening. Amaria, I'm really glad and excited to welcome you to Music Growth Talks. Uh, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. If you don't mind uh, this kind of uh, direct question to you right away, do you mind sharing what PAX does 
as a company because uh, I, I just have to ask you to give some context to our listeners because uh, some of them might be familiar with the company, but I'm pretty confident that a lot of our listeners don't know what exactly you do, even like considering the importance of your work for the creative and music industry. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it would be perfectly normal for a lot of people not to know because we've been fairly quiet uh, since we launched five years ago now. So what PEX does essentially is PEX is a technology and we're a technology that works a little bit like Shazam in the sense that we have something called fingerprinting for both music and video. And what we do is instead of matching a song when we hear it in the room that surrounds you and telling you what it is, we match the song as soon as it comes up on any of the online platforms and say you have a piece of music that's out there that you've recorded and, and, and placed online. And then somebody else uploads it to their SoundCloud account or to the backdrop of a video that's then on Twitter, then we automatically spot it. And then we, we report that to uh, the content creators. And then they can do a range of things with that. Initially, they can at least know that it's out there, which they might not otherwise. Then they can try to monetize that if the platforms allows for it or, you know, try to understand better their audience and monetize that. And then we aggregate all that data too to give you more scope about what your reach is. You think maybe that a thousand people are listening to music on your Spotify account, but actually if you aggregate all the people who are listening to your music on all these various channels as your content has essentially gone viral, your audience might be much larger than that. And so we allow you to kind of understand the scope of that. And so we've been doing that largely with the music industry and, you know, the music majors and sort of larger music companies. And we're opening up the platform at the moment to more individual creators and artists and their managers to better understand the virality of, of their content. Right. So just to make sure that I got you right here, it's similar to YouTube's content ID system, for example, but covering all the different platforms around the world. Exactly, exactly. So it, yeah, exactly. It's very similar to content ID in the way that it functions. It has some like things that are a bit different. For example, we recognize your content, even if it's, you know, one second of the content. So even if it's been a very, if it's been sampled just a little bit, we'll spot it. Whereas content ID will need at least 20 or so seconds to match the audio. So there is some, you know, precision. And we also do things like audio matching, you know, melody matching and things like that. So that enables us to see covers of the music and, um, and a wide variety, essentially, of, um, of copies of your work. Yeah, very cool. Uh, and, yeah. Then, and then we're, we're present, yes, on not just YouTube. We also have YouTube's content. Um, but we also have, you know, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. And then we go internationally. There's um, the Russian platform. VK has more than 
a billion videos right now. That's a massive platform. There's Yuku in China. There's TikTok that's growing up right now. So we have, you know, now 40 plus platforms that we that we track for yeah. for artists. I'm glad that you mentioned that. Uh, I, I, I think that the fact that you work with these international platforms is really important. Uh, there the isn't enough understanding, I think, among uh, US-based creators in particular, how big their presence can be on these um, platforms that may seem completely odd and random, like VK. I'm rushing myself in for, I haven't been living there for some time, but uh, there, there is a generation, a couple of generations of people in that in Russia, in country, who consume media like video and music only from VK, and they're used to it being free, it's being changed right now, but it's, it's, it's like massive. And if your platform helps to track down the uploads there i think it can give really valuable information for performing artists in particular as an example if uh, uh if you see that there is a, a big interest in your music in china or in brazil or in russia then it can really help uh, with top planning and things like that so that's that's really powerful tiktok is is a good example as well yeah, absolutely. And really, it's it's no longer, you know, a one platform game out there. There's 40 platforms that we track, there's going to continue to be more. Some are quite genre specific. So, you know, there might be a lot of hip hop on one platform, and another platform might be really, really big for DJs. And, you know, YouTube definitely has a lot of dancing baby videos and such. But each platform has its own specificity and its own audience and the, the reasons why people go there are, are quite different. And so there's both kind of a geographic aspect to it and a demographic aspect to it that varies across platform as the content travels from one platform to another. Right, right. I actually want to ask you a question that I didn't plan on asking originally, but there is quite a few listeners uh, in our audience who <laughs> uh, who are uh, uh, who are not necessarily the right owners, but uh, the ones who sample the music and do the bootleg remixes and mixtapes. Uh, well, covers usually like it goes without sampling, but yeah, there there are creatives who uh, who just uh, try to create high quality remixes unofficial remixes of of songs they like and uh, this information that you are sharing is very useful to them so they understand how in in which way their remixes will most probably be tracked down if it's a well-known artist a question to you is how this knowledge has mainly been used is it mainly just to take down an unofficial remix for example something that has been properly licensed or it's the the idea is more about tracking it just for the purpose of having the data or monetizing it whenever possible or it's too difficult to answer you know no it's not it's uh, the you know there are still takedowns out there but the music industry at large has moved on from that largely and the main idea behind it is to really understand the the virality of content the fact that once you release a song now, it doesn't, you know, it's not just going to live on that artist's page. It's going to have a life of its own and go be used and be part of mixes and remixes and be in your wedding video and be in this and that. And it's going to 
you know, those five seconds are going to be taken here and those 10 seconds here. And so, you know, the main thing that the music industry is trying to do is to get as much value out of it as possible. And so they're trying to make as much money as possible for artists. And so that kind of goes two ways. That goes with the platforms that have a claiming mechanism. So that might be taking the money from the advertising that's placed on that video or song. And then for uh, most platforms, it actually goes through a better understanding of how much of this rights holder's content is on the platform to better understand their market share, essentially, and then negotiate an appropriate license with the platform. Makes sense. To then cover its users. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Makes sense. Thanks a lot for explaining. Uh, And yeah. I guess it's yeah, uh, you know, obviously, I think it's not best for the user to have takedowns. Everyone wants to appreciate the content, but equally, there's a level playing field that needs to be found where both you know the content is available for us to listen to, and the creators of that content are getting you know a fair fair payment for their work and for their talent totally, totally. So you mentioned that uh, the back. Uh, product is being available is is becoming available for individual creators right now so h- how is it looking exactly so is it possible for just anyone to sign up on the website or t- it will be possible in the nearest future yeah it will be possible in the near future um and so we're we're you know we encourage people to drop us a line if they're interested and we're happy to also send some tests with them so we're we're in a in a better phase of of testing out right now what it looks like for individual creators and making sure that we get as much value out of it for them as possible. Got it. Yeah. So we are linking to everything in the show notes. Anyone interested, just check it out. See if it makes sense to you at your current and the current stage of your career. And uh, yeah, it's it's really great that you guys are open to to artists just reaching out to you. I guess same for goes for for record labels and publishing companies. Of course, of course, yes. (laughs) So something related and unrelated at the same time, it's just something that we discussed before starting uh, this conversation of ours. uh, And uh, it's a big topic. I'm I'm just thinking how uh, we can uh, uh, cover it uh, relatively quickly just to to give... uh, an introduction to to the theme and um, I'm definitely interested in hearing your thoughts on that and the topic is the copyright uh, directive uh, in, that's something that's that's uh, happening in the European Union but w- what as I see it will be affecting everyone all creators in the world and uh, some of our listeners might have uh, heard about it as uh, article 13 which is now article 17 and uh, I guess I would I would start with uh, asking you just to give a, a, a very basic uh, explanation of what it is of uh, the law that uh, has been uh, of this directive that is uh, being approved uh, in European Union and then yeah just my point is 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 to to get some insights on how exactly it might be affecting everyone the creatives in the first place. Absolutely. Well, article. 13 or now 17, the the whole logic behind it stems from wanting to to balance out the way that with 
new technologies, new platforms, uh, new ways of sharing content online, the world has changed since the last regulations around copyright and how artists are getting paid for the distribution of their works online. And there was an imbalance that was created between the DSPs, the platforms that are distributing content online, who are making, who are making a lot of money from advertising that is getting placed on other people's content, on everyone's content. And the people who are creating the content who are struggling for a lot of them and most of them to make a living out of it, to even know where their content is and how it's getting used. And they know it's out there. They have no idea at what scale, where, and they can't uh, make money out of it. And, and so there was a great imbalance there between the legislation that was put in place before these platforms existed, where we could all upload whatever we wanted on them, and the reality now for artists. And so that's where Article 13 or now 17 stems from. Right. And so the situation until now was that platforms were not responsible for when somebody uploaded a copyrighted content to their platform. The platform, as long as they weren't aware that it was there, were not responsible for paying that person, essentially. And so that's what um, Article 17 is trying to change. It's trying to make the platforms liable for A, having proper licenses for content, and B, putting in place appropriate actions to try to, um, if it's not licensed, prevent that content from being uploaded or being uploaded at least without any kind of distribution of income to, to the artists. And uh, practically, it means that the content has to be checked at the moment of it being uploaded, right? Practically, that's what it means. So it has to be checked. It does not have to be. There's no requirement for, you know, kind of human scrutiny. It would be impossible anyway. Just on YouTube, there's more than 700 hours of content that's uploaded every minute. And then, you know, it goes without saying for the rest of the platforms altogether. And so there needs to be a technical uh, filtering of the content in a way. So uh, pretty much the, what, what you do as, as a platform uh, is kind of relevant to that because you have a system in place to execute that, essentially. Exactly, exactly. And we've already right now built our database as, as more than 17 billion videos and songs. And so it includes all the publicly available content of all these platforms already. And so sure, YouTube has their own system in place, but it costs them more than $100 million to build it. Not every platform out there has that kind of money. Not everyone is Google. And so we really what we want is to make our system available for free to both platforms and creators on the platform side to be able to attribute when content is uploaded, say whose it is and how they can then create revenue for these artists. And then on the artist side, know where your content is and, and, and make sure that you are getting appropriate income from that. Right. Yeah, that, that makes sense. And that's great that uh, you are trying to make it available for, for 
platforms and the creators and uh, I, I see how it makes sense uh, for you. Okay, so uh, so that's for we, we, we've been talking about how it's going to be implemented in Europe and uh, to be clear, it's not yet kind of live because every country has to adopt this individual way, correct? Absolutely. So right now it's it's a directive that's at the European level. In fact, it will be in place in September 2019 as a directive. And then from then on, the countries have two years to put in place a national law that reflects the will of the directive. And so, for example, there's things like platforms become liable for the content. Well, how is that enforced? What does that look like? So that will definitely be something that is kind of refined at the national level as the laws come in place. Now, they have two years to put it in place. Of course, uh, uh, some countries, and especially France, uh, will want to move quicker on these things. Traditionally, France has been one of the leaders of um, this directive of wanting to put something in place that's better to protect creators versus the, the internet platforms. And yeah, so we should maybe see some laws already by summertime. Yeah, and, and it's also to set an example for other countries in the union. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, so uh, just to uh, all the listeners in North America, for example, uh, do, do do you have any comments on how that's important uh, to them as well? As, as I see it, uh, it's much easier to for platforms to make it work um, with all territories at once. We've been seeing something like that happening with GDPR, where like similar rules are being. Uh, enforced applied search in in the in the US for example in terms of uh, data protection so it do are we going to see something similar popping up in the United States Canada for example absolutely well i think you know i think probably california also tends to follow suit with regulations like that but essentially europe as a whole having this regulation in place makes it pretty much mandatory for platforms to put it in place everywhere There's been situations in the past where, for example, Spain tried to have regulations that made Google News kind of impossible. And so they decided to shut it down in Spain. Uh, with Europe as a whole, that's just not going to happen. They're not going to shut down YouTube in the whole of Europe. Uh, the market is, is far too big. And so once the rules have to be put in place for Europe... They're going to have to be put in place for the U.S. as well and for the rest of the world. I think what's going to be interesting is in the little details, because there is actually varied regulations around, for example, there is a concept in the U.S. of fair use, which is very not uh, measurable. It's not that, hey, if you sample five seconds, it's fair use. It might not be if it's considered substantial and that you're making money from it, et cetera, et cetera. But in Europe, for example, they might decide that if you've just copied 10 seconds of the content, it, it doesn't matter. So these things might be, might be interesting to see it flesh out in, in real life, let's say. It's a great, yeah, great comment here. It's related to the last question I had to you. Uh, and uh, it's, a, it's probably a big one, what it means to the 
creators and artists. And uh, also to be clear, we know that uh, this uh, regulation isn't implemented yet. So we really need to see how exactly it it will uh, look like when it's live. And it, it's not just a theoretical thing, but something that's actually other there and on the platforms as well. But uh, so far, I hope that uh, the creators listening to us kind of get a general idea if they're new to the topic after getting insights from you on this podcast. But should they be worried, concerned, careful? Any What, what kind of recommendations do you have to the or excited because they will now be, you know, the contents of the creators will now be protected better. Well, yeah, yeah, I think actually it's a fantastic opportunity for musicians out there to know, you know, where their content is, get proper attribution for it, get income from it. So I think it's it's a really exciting opportunity for creators. I think they need to make sure that uh, their content is properly registered with the various mechanisms that are out there. And so for us, we'll make that available for free um, as as this uh, this falls into place. And so they can definitely hook us up. And I think, yeah, so I think it, I think it's just a great opportunity, in fact, for musicians. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's. I think. That's... I think. I mean. I think also that musicians have to respect other musicians. And so if there's a license they need to get to work with somebody else's content, then, you know, probably they should do that because it probably won't, will fall less through the cracks, let's say. Yeah. It's interesting times, I think. And, uh, and what you mentioned also, it makes a lot of sense. It's, it's now, it's, it will be uh, essential to make sure that your music is registered where it should be in the, it's it's always been the case that you should be taking care of such things not all musicians we've seen and even worked with uh, kind of spent time on that and some intentionally don't care about it too much they just want their music to be out there but when you're in a situation when you upload your own music video and uh, it's uh, taken down because you didn't do homework uh, to register it on uh, with the right uh, organizations and platforms then yeah it's it's something that uh, you will definitely be concerned about so I, I, but i think it's it's going to be good i tend to look positively at all changes that are happening to this industry let's hope that it's going to be implemented in the right way but yeah i, I mean if you have any additional insights on this please let me know. no exactly i think we will have to wait a little bit longer um for the laws to be put in place at the national level and and really understand the kind of nitty-gritty of it actually but yeah. in theory i think it can be it can be positive i think you know for musicians we need to see it as an opportunity and uh, and and just uh, make it available for free though i think you know this attribution of your rights needs to to be available for for everyone and uh and and that's that's i think that's particularly crucial and so that's what what we're working towards i like your mission and approach uh thank you for what you shared with us personally and uh, for what you do at pax uh, i have a, a strong feeling that we'll be hearing a lot more about your company in the nearest um, months and years so uh, yeah looking forward to seeing the 
the new developments, uh, the new platforms you support, uh, the, the, the fact that uh, anyone will be able to just sign up and register uh, the music we throw through you is it's definitely something that's um, uh, that's very important. So, yeah, thank you a lot. Um, uh, really. No, thank you so much for the for the kind words of encouragement. Thank you. Hope you enjoyed the conversation. Let me know on social media once again, and it will be particularly cool if you tweet something mentioning Pax on Twitter. The handle is literally just at Pax, P-E-X. And while there is nothing happening in regards to Article 1317 right there now, you can see that it may have a massive effect um, on internet in the coming two years. So. Keep an eye on it all, and um, if you have a strong opinion about the matter, I, you know, I tend to observe and analyze without taking sides whenever possible, but I highly encourage anyone who thinks strongly about uh, such matters speak up uh, the results of related um, movements and discussions you can find online, so please look it up if you want to learn more. And uh, yeah, share with me your findings uh, and uh, any any thoughts you have on, on that matter. And now that's it. Thank you for listening and I will speak to you here again in a couple of weeks. You've been listening to Music Growth Talks with Andrew Apanov. Find more episodes and subscribe at musicgrowthtalks.com.